This was recorded at the 20th Chinwag Live event Search and Location-Based Services on October 7, 2008 in London. Featuring on the panel Felix Peterson of Places and Nokia, Chris Moyson from Tap2, Andrew Scott of Rumble, Peggy Ann Sulce from M Search Groove, Adrian Drury of The Cloud, with consultant and Mobile Monday London coordinator Joe Rabin chairing. It was sponsored by the UKTI. The event was produced by Elizabeth Varley and Deirdre Malloy on behalf of Chinwag. Part 2. So now we're going out to the audience and we have questions already over by the bar. Hello. Uh, my name is Claudia Papel. I represent a company called Mobile People. We are in mobile local search, so we work with the largest yellow page publishers. And uh, I have two things, one comment, one question. Um, talking about monetization, that's ultimately what, you know, what we really are interested in. How do we make money of this? Um, if you look at the yellow page industry today, this is a 30 billion US dollar industry. So that's where the money is. If, if you talk local search, people are looking for local businesses and all these kind of things. So I'd be interested to hear from you. You did mention yellow pages, but how much are you partnering with the yellow pages to actually tap into that massive revenue stream? So, uh, Andrew, why don't you take that? Can, can you share this mic here since yeah. we're a bit shorter? I just got a very quick answer to that. It's quite funny because we, we were approached by someone to actually put Yellow Pages ads on our service. Um, but, again, for us, I'm not going to put ads on our service unless it's relevant to what the person's searching for. And as soon as you start to try to do more interesting things and sort of match it to recommendations in our system... You know, yeah, I'll get, you know, the people we're t- talking to, sort of local advertisers get, oh, it all sounds a bit complicated, and, you know, because really they just want it to be easy. They want to put ads up there. And, well, you know, yeah, but it's nearby. You know where they are. Why can't you just advertise? It's like, well, because I'm not going to give adver- adverts to our users that aren't really relevant to them. And so, again, it is, a, it, it is a bit of heavy lifting to get it right. It is the next generation of ads compared to kind of a Google search because there are more elements involved. And so I really want to be able to say, you know, this place is actually relevant to the other things that you're querying and the things you normally query and all this sort of stuff. So it requires actually those, those advertisers who have big stock of advertising, of access to the, to the, to the people you know, wanting, to, wanting to place ads and the media buyers to be more flexible and to understand a bit more that, that to deliver properly on mobile. You know, it, it is, it, it's a stage beyond online. You, you've got to really, really personalise um, the content, in, in my opinion. Having said that, the person I think I was talking to said, well, you know, on average the click-through payment is like 21 pence, which I can believe, I'm sure, that's wrong, but maybe someone can qualify that. Maybe you can qualify that, I don't know. If, as if, I, if, I put, you know, if I put Yellow Pages ads localised on our service, what, you know, what, what's the range that we'd expect back for, for um, a click-through cost? So, Claudia, do you want to uh, inform us about that before we pass over to Chris, who I think is burning to say I- something? I actually don't know. Helen? But the, the online click-through rates. Well, I'll find out if it was 20p and put it on I my blog. I can tell you there about you the CPMs on mobile, but I don't know about the online click rates. Really. No, that was, mo- that was mobile. That was mobile. Yeah. Um, I would say CPM is around uh, 20 US dollars. Right, okay. Um, as a mobile search engine, I think um, if you know someone's location and there's an intention, then having sort of yellow pages content where there's a high relevancy is a Um, no-brainer. So I think uh, we would love to index uh, lots and lots of local content. Um, But the balance for us is obviously priorities, being a startup, 
Um, but also, I'd be really interested to ask you a question to understand what is the sort of appetite amongst your advertisers and attitude towards um, mobile advertising. So when you've asked them, um, uh, Donatelli, the Italian restaurant, will you pay extra for a mobile ad or will you be interested in going on mobile? Um, do you have any sort of comments about that? I think the the yellow pages worldwide is, are in the situation where they need to move their revenues from the print into the digital space. And that's what they've started doing with online. They sort of missed the boat a little bit. Is anyone from a yellow page publisher in here? Okay. Um, and on mobile, I would say the game isn't quite decided yet because yellow page publishers have a mobile presence, so they're actually quite advanced if you, if you look at it compared to the internet. Um, what they need to figure out is actually how to upsell and cross-sell on what they're selling today. And they've started doing that. They've started distributing out their data, not just on their own yell.com website, but into other networks. And that's where they take a premium from the advertisers. And uh, if you look at Yell in the UK, they have 2,000 people selling on the ground. I mean, what a wonderful sales force that is to have. And it's basically about upselling, cross-selling, putting new products in and, uh, you know, selling that to the advertiser. And that's the task of their sales force to make that happen. I think the big question is here, who owns, builds and owns the namespace for the small retailer? Um, a lot of businesses have web pages, but they're not, it's not, it's not a, um, a unified namespace. Um, there's, there's, no, um, there's no unified scheme maybe comparable to, to phone numbers. And if you talk about checking into a location, if you talk about serving ads, if you talk about um, an entry that is now a yellow page print entry being a canvas for comments and so on, kind of comparable to what Quipe or Yelp is building, but they're rather small in comparison. So the question is who will build this name and own this namespace and unify that so that as a local retailer I can actually claim this space that's already been built um, and... Um, um, advertise on it, um, get, get my customers um, um, t to go there. And, and that's, that's, that's the question, who's, who's going to build that? The yellow page industry is not in a bad position to do that, but I don't think they're, they're actually making any moves, uh, significant moves at this point. I see this more with the likes of uh, Google or Nokia, maybe. Well, we okay, moving on to... Uh, sorry, Claudia, let's just move to the back here. We have a question in the back. How many different um, local search services... Sorry, can you say who you are, please? Uh, my name is Joel Brazil. I'm from a uh, service called Tipped, which is PC, mobile, local search recommendations. And I'm just curious uh, what the panel thinks about <clears throat> how many services would you expect your average local retailer would buy advertising from annually? Any, a retailer from pub, Italian restaurant, salon... How many services would they buy from and how would they actually engage in those sales transactions? How many different sales reps could they entertain and buy advertising from? Adrian, do you want to start us off on that one? <laughs> um, I, I, that, that's, a, that's a really tricky question. I think there are probably going to be other people on the panel much more qualified to answer that question than me. Um, I'm guessing the answer is probably not a lot. You're going you're gonna to have a brand relationship you know, or a your portal relationship, and I'm guessing that may be um, a brand that you're used to dealing with on the net already, which is going to give Google yeah. quite an advantage. Google. Yeah, exactly. 
whoever owns the namespace and whoever drives the most traffic. Anybody else want to follow up on that? Yeah, it's probably obvious, and I'm not sure if I'm qualified. But um, yeah, I mean, basically, they might do it even if they don't even if they don't know who you are. But um, if they don't get results, they'll just forget about you. I mean, they're busy running the restaurant, running their whatever it is. So if they get same as Google, I mean, if they go on, they get results, they'll do it. But otherwise, you know, headache they don't need. So it's more of an issue of again, it's scale. If you know, if you if you if you're, but even if they do get results, I mean, can they can they realistically have you know buy from five different companies and manage five different profiles and five different transactions and five different bills and probably not that's why you have agencies though i guess isn't it what agencies are calling on local businesses yeah exactly you know i mean that's you know this, this is an important thing about having a scale you know scale scale and scale isn't it you know the location-based business is an incredibly granular thing and the only thing you can the only way you can manage that is you have a transaction platform that can effectively manage the lot yep and you make it a very simple process and you make it very simple for the end user Okay, so next over here. Hi. Hello. Uh, it's James from a site called MJelly, and it's basically a directory of mobile sites and apps. And my kind of view on, on mobile search was that there's only 10 or 20 decent mobile applications out there, and there's only about 10 or 20 decent mobile sites out there. If you look at tonight, you know, what do people use? Virtually everyone uses Google Maps, and, and that's the sort of thing that people need to find in this early stage. In the first stage of the web uh, directory, Yahoo was the biggest mo- uh, search service. I was just wondering if, if people think there is a role for you know, very simple things like directories in uh, the mobile world. Okay, so let's broaden this question out to the general question of discovery. And Peggy, have you got something... Well, I do agree on the question of directories because that's what I'm seeing. In the, and there's, there's dozens. There's an inspiring number of alternative search engines that I, that I track. We're, we're talking about, in the online space, it's well over 1,400. Um, and in mobile, I'd say we're up to 100, 150. I mean, I've just spoken with about um, five new, totally brand new local search services coming out of India. So it's very exciting and mobile there. So I would agree that there is a place for directories because, um, again, it's that question of what do you want? Do you really want everything? And that's why I believe there's going to be a huge market for the alternative search engines that are very, very focused on what they do well, be that content types because the content has to be uh, adapted for the phone. So therefore, if you're looking for music, you will want a music search service and local as well. But um, you say you're, you're working on a directory. You have one. Uh-huh. No, I do believe there's a place for that, most definitely. Chris. Um, it's an interesting question. I think that um, uh, to compare the mobile web to kind of where Yahoo was ages ago, I think we kind of forget as well, though, that um, we live in England and lots of, well, most of us do live in London, but there's also uh, 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 very different behaviours and very different markets in, uh, across Europe. Italy's massive in terms of their use and the consumer behaviour. And also, as Peggy mentioned, when you go into some of the developing world and the emerging markets, um, where you're seeing um, uh, uh, massive, massive take-up of uh, mobile web, and also you're seeing lots of sort of... Um, uh, social networks where it's kind of like profile pages and so uh, and these people are using those profile pages to sell stuff 
uh, sell content, download stuff. And so they think about those profile pages as almost like websites. So, yes, I think uh, if we take a very sort of uh, um, insular look in the UK, perhaps, then it doesn't appear like there's, there's that much stuff out there. But I think the game has changed with the iPhone. And, um, and I think also if you take a broader geographic look, it's very different. Okay, next question. Hi, Alan Patrick. I'm, I'm a consultant for Broadsight. Um, one of the things we're scratching our heads about is the evolution of this game, i.e. there's a lot of over-the-top services for location, and then there's the operators. How do you guys see that one panning out between the two? Do you have a... Are you directing that question, Alan, to anyone? No, I'm curious in everybody's okay. opinions. Uh, Delphi technique works well. Who wants to take that one first? Um, Does anybody want to take it at all? The question was, how is it going to pan out with operators? Badly, probably. I think I'll just say that and pass it on. As in the operators lose, or as in over-to-the-top struggles? You mean a sort of, you know, kind of fourth, third world war between operators and... I don't know. I mean, I mean some of them are slowly coming around. The people I meet, you know, I know a couple of people who have even left operators because they're so frustrated with sort of board-level decision-making. And so it's not that there are people in operators that don't understand the industry and don't understand what's happening. There are really innovative people working on operators, but they're constrained by sort of, you know, the the paranoia of C-level decision-makers. You know, and hopefully, inevitably, through market pressure, that will change. And I think you you, you slowly see, you know, every time I read the news, sort of one week I see it change in a good way, and then you you see something that you think, you know, you know, the iPhone's been sort of dissuaded by by the operators to to kowtow to them and everything else. But... Um, I think ultimately, as user demand picks up, um, you know, it is going to change, but it's just, again, it's going to be a lot slower than all of us want. So I don't think you're going to see growth till end of next year or the year after, like, you know, hockey stick growth. Adrian, some of your best friends are operators, I was told. The, the operators pay some of our bills. Um, so, yeah, the operators do a great job. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're really on top of it. I mean, I think, you know, the reality is for the operators, I think that's exactly right, you know, that they are, you know, that these are very, you know, these are old-fashioned telcos and they move slightly slowly. I mean, these guys, you know, they have a, you know, a GPS, you know, platform. They're all able to do this and none of them have productized it particularly well at all. Um, and, you know, and they've done quite a bad job of incorporating it into their media decks. They had a, you know, a year, they had a years and years lead time on anybody else. But yet, you know, they've let... You know, Apple of this, you know, the apples of this world come in and put media decks on their network, um, and now Nokia are about to do a very, very good job as well. Um, I think uh, the reality is the operators will probably wake up quite soon to how important this is to them, um, and yeah, then, then there's going to be a real, real fight. And I think, again, there's another really interesting question we were discussing earlier about who owns the location data. Is it the operator? Yep. Or is it somebody else? Right? And who controls the location data will be the person who, effectively, who actually wins the war and takes the margin in this. If you look at the history of, of kind of the buddy finders out there, you know, that, that actually um, started late 90s. In the beginning, you know, everyone thought this would be a, um, a game that the operators will control because they actually know where you are in the network, triangulation and so on. And technically, it's been possible for um, over 10 years. Yeah. But they saw it as a tool of customer retention. So, you know, this is... Um, 
Uh, this is uh, you know, an additional service that we provide to our customers so that they stay in our network um, and totally misjudge the nature of this kind of service that grows in value when you can use it with, as many, with all of your friends and not just with your friends on the Vodafone network, let alone with uh, people in, in, in other countries. Also, obviously, they saw it as a, as a way of um, monetizing um, that data that would have led to an effect that if I if I want to know the location of my ten friends for each of each query for each friends I would have to pay. So that was completely idiotic and didn't work out. So um, and now it has changed with technology that the power really is moving to to the edge. I mean these kind of phones they have they have uh, they have GPS, we have third party providers like Skyhook now that provide Wi-Fi databases. Uh, we have the crunching power in the phone and it's not just location, it's really if we talk about context, it's in here and it's not necessarily in the network. So um, your calendar, who's close by, the near field uh, issue, you know, Bluetooth, who, who, how many people are in this room, whom of your friends are with you, which location are you checked into at this moment. Um, all this moves, um, the, the power moves to the edge. If you think about something that Nokia does now with traffic probing, um, you don't need to build something into the highways to find out whether there's a traffic jam. If you have enough people using Nokia Maps, you know if there's a traffic jam because you can see how fast they move. And if, if, if a lot of people slow down in a, in, a, in a certain geographic area, well, you have a traffic jam. So um, that's just an opportunity. I think the operators have gone, uh, have, uh, gone by because they, they thought of these services as a nice add-on that they can add, add to their, uh, offer to their customer to keep them. Um, and I think that was that was a, probably the, the biggest mistake. I was going to pick up on the point of uh, sort of control. I mean, obviously, especially for the operators, they're paranoid, and it is all about the control, understandably. But from their point of view, and I was in the states, and um, if any of you have used Google Maps on your on your mobile, as we talked earlier, then the cell ID, even if your phone doesn't have GPS, is pretty accurate. And they can work out on their own database where you are. But then someone told me that AT&T in the States were considering actually then scrambling the cell ID information so that, you know, Nokia's, uh, sorry, uh, Google's, <laughs> Freudian slip, Google's um, uh, my location information to no longer work. So there are definitely going to be some ugly battles out there because at the moment we use, you know, Skyhooks and we use uh, Google, which means we don't have to worry about the, the operators. Peggy, then Adrian. Oh, yeah, that was the point I was going to make about Google um, with the cell ID. I mean, we talked about location. It's about context. It's about approximate location. So if, it, if approximate is good enough um, and Google shows that with my location and, we're willing to, and we buy into that, then that is a signal that um, there could be a very interesting power shift. And at conferences, I continually ask Google when and if they're going to open up the APIs. To, well, I mean, um, what they would do with advertising. Um, which would be the next step, but um, in terms of what that does to the to the to the power, I mean, it's quite clear that uh, um, it's very much. Um, it's quite ironic that the closer we get to open, um, that that creates the pressure that actually pushes everything away from the uh, the center to the fringe, as you said. Adrian, go ahead. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fly the flag for for, for Wi-Fi for a moment. Um, if we if we Look at the, you know, the relevance for the operator, um, and this goes back to Felix's point about how near the device is to the edge 
Um, these, these are Google stats and based on research they did over 12 months. But, you know, the average users in, in their sort of home and office, yep, for about 62, 63% of the day, yep. And then the remaining, they're traveling between those two locations, yep. Um, if you're commuting, you're going to go to a station, you are going to go, you know, past high street retail outlets. Yep, all of these locations have got uh, uh, local area range wireless IP networks. Um, and with Wi-Fi penetration in handsets in, you know, in Western Europe, forecast to be circa 20%, 25% by the end of the year. And these are all high-end mobile devices with the smartphones that are relevant for delivering these kinds of services. Yep. The actual rely, the, the need to rely on mobile operator networks begins to look pretty low. Um, if I can just add that, I, I really hope that um, the networks, uh, device people, application services, all kind of embrace uh, a more open attitude to um, uh, to their APIs and what they share, because I think that'll just make it better for everyone and grow the market. Okay, because a bigger slice of a bigger pie. Yes, Helen, I'm going to bring you a mic. Thank you. I'd just like to point out that the operators are not all evil when it comes to location-based staff. It's actually Motorola, because their licence fee is why it's so expensive to do a look-up. <laughs> Thank you, Helen. At the front here, I think. Hi. Um, my name is Dan Parker. I'm from Sponge. We uh, do mobile marketing and advertising for lots of big brands and advertising agencies. Um, I just want to make a point, and then I've got a question. My point was I'm not convinced that the pot of gold is yellow pages because the vast majority of yellow pages is it's painters and decorators and people are going to look after your dog when you go on a holiday. And it's, it's not the kind of stuff that people are going to look for on their mobile phone. If we then look towards a small pot of yellow pages that does fear that, you know, the restaurants and the bars, the coffee shops that we're talking about, well, you know, the bad news is that Donatello is going bust and it's going to be the slug and lettuce in the not-too-distant future. It's sad and it's tragic, but it's the reality of what's going on in our world. Therefore, if we're going to make all of this success, it's how do we persuade the slug and lettuce to spend money with us? How do we persuade Heineken to spend money with us? And I'm interested in, in what you guys are doing in your very fragmented and annoying world that is location services. You all know that if you want to get those big brands on board, you need to take all that bullshit away and give them something simple. And I'm wondering how you guys are approaching coming up with something that might be attractive to the clients that I have. Adrian. Yeah. I don't. I think that's a, that's a really, really important part of the question. I think there's a massive difference here between whether you're doing search or display advertising. Yep. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's a really important um, question to answer because you, fundamentally you need to be able to give uh, campaign planners yep, enough sort of, you need to give them enough scale, you need to give them enough volume of users so that they can go and plan campaigns around specific um, like location contexts almost. Um, one of the, the quick and dirty way we're doing this is packaging up different... The cloud has got 7,000 sites in the UK, right? You know, X percent of those are pubs, X percent of those are hotels, X percent of those are train stations, X percent of those are high street retail locations. Yep. We can then segment by different device types. Yep. Effectively, we're then cutting our entire user base down into sort of four distinct segments. Yep. So you can then go and target ads yep, at four different specific users so we have a specific volume of impressions we can then serve in those different location contexts that's something that's quite easily understandable by somebody who's building a campaign so if you're sitting down there with you know with the with the 
group at Heineken, and they say, we want to deliver ads yep, to males with iPhones in pubs in the UK. Yep, we can do that today. And it's quite a quick and dirty way of doing it. Yep, and it's quite manual, but that's how we do it today. The, the next challenge is to then have you know, platforms that um, the agency world can interface with where it automates that and allows the entire process to scale as there are more properties that have inventory that can be served on this basis. Okay, great. Um, there's one at the back that's been waiting for a long... Oh, no, it's... More questions. Helen. Ben Hunt. Okay, I'm really interested to explore more about this approximate location thing and to follow on from Dan's point about making it attractive to the big, big advertisers who basically have the big bucks. Um, I, I take your points about the Wi-Fi locations and I think local Wi-Fi portals are going to be quite interesting. And Norwich already has one, Neil? So, so it's already happening. But you know what? When I'm using my phone, I'm talking or texting. And when I'm walking along the street, I'm not actually browsing any kind of thing at all. So where does this fit in, bearing in mind that Motorola have got this horrible fee for their licence for passive tracking? How do we get around it? Or do we just have to wait until that licence runs out? Helen, did you have anyone in mind you'd like to start on that one? No. Okay. I mean, maybe the answer is uh, something like uh, Blick, you know, at least in the younger demographic. Um, the, the, uh, just, you know, listening to you, I was thinking about, we haven't even addressed on the static web that really well yet. I mean, the web is, yeah. uh, you know, the big branding advertising budgets haven't even really moved to the web yet because Google AdWords is exactly also that long tail kind of business. Um, Companies like Glam, just you know, there, there was obviously an opening for that to to have um, high-profile display advertising um, on 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 sites that that deal with a certain topic like fashion or something. So um, I think mobile that's still far out. And the big question to me is, what is what is for Heineken? What is um, is there really going to be an algorithm to find out in what situation and in what mood I'm interested in Heineken ads? Or is it maybe just going to be that video that I watch at the bus station? Um, the, you know, the kind of viral campaign, entertaining kind of thing that I watch on my mobile as well. Is that even a location-based topic? I don't know. Um, I think it's location-based is very transactional, very, very long tail. Um, I'm, I'm not even sure if these budgets will eventually move into sort of a location-based targeting um, or more into, yeah, basically what we see happening on the web as well. Maybe to YouTube, video, something like that. I don't know. I, think, I mean, there's another very interesting sort of economic factor here as well, which is, you know, what, what is the premium on location-based? Yeah, actually. Yeah, I mean, if maybe one of the reasons why this hasn't been done very well on the fixed web today is that, you know, if I'm a you know, media portal owner, yep, and I start selling my inventory on a location-specific basis, yep, that the premium that I get from selling that on a location-specific basis isn't worth the segmentation of my inventory, right? I'd rather just sell a runner site deal, yep, that across, you know, that doesn't, where I'm not having to segment by different location type. Um, and, you know, that's going to be, that's going to be a pretty interesting question for people to ask themselves about whether they actually want to productize up to agency world um, their inventory on a location-specific basis. So, um, Dan, a question for you, actually. What, what, what premium would you see on inventory if you, 
on a, if it was sold on a location-specific basis, if you could sell back to a brand owner, yep, um, what, what premium do you reckon you could achieve if you knew you were selling it on a location-specific basis? best location-based advertiser in the country right now at the moment is McDonald's, because McDonald's go around and buy poster sites to point in the direction of the nearest McDonald's. Yeah. And that works really well, and let's not try and reinvent that, because that's going to work better than anything we come up in this, with in this room. I think um, you can't take away from the fact that if somebody's saying, I'm looking for a bar to go for a drink, then Heineken are really interested in making sure that person goes to a bar that sells Heineken. Yep. Now, that might not be as simple as saying, here's the bars that sell Heineken, because somebody's got to be a loyal Heineken drinker, and that's tough in the world of beers. But maybe it starts getting into building a brand relationship, or maybe we start getting into vouching, which is a horrible subject in itself, just to make life more complicated. Yeah. Um, but I think if, you can, if we can find a way to give them an effective advertising thing, and I think there's a really high premium for those kinds of you know, retail brands, pub brands, drink brands, that kind of stuff. No, absolutely. Chris. Um, just, just our take on location-based advertising to your question. I think it's, it's really, really hard at the moment because of the scale and because of the consumer behavior and the advertiser's behavior. You know, they're just grasping the, the, the internet and now they've got this new thing, the phone that can do it as well. Um, and, um, you know, I also, I think, to be honest, we're just working out uh, display and uh, CPC advertising on the mobile web and, and I think there are some really um, uh, interesting opportunities for innovations in that. And I don't think it's going to be a direct, literal translation uh, of the desktop web into the mobile. I think it would be a lateral translation. I think there'd be more interesting. And it'd be more about, I think, about channel preference. So it would be using your mobile to perhaps push yourself into another channel, which could be the desktop. Uh, it would be about using SMS and um, uh, kind of more hybrid models. And that's just my take. And one more from Andrew, and then we'll go over to, the, over to the bar. So what I was going to say was that, you know, for Heineken, there, I guess there are two prerequisites. I mean, for, for mobile to really work location-wise, I think, you know, you've got to have the eyeballs there, first of all. So you've got to have really pervasive services. They've got to be, you know, free to access. You've got to have millions of people using them. And that's the prerequisite. And we're still, to be honest, you know, in terms of the mobile startup industry, we're still struggling with that, you know, with, with all the te- not, you know, technological difficulties and actually getting the users to the service in the first place, which you can then sell advertising with the back of. I mean, I think it's a no-brainer. If you've got people using a service regularly, you can then use the technologies to then, then actually generate revenue. But, so once you've got that, again, it's scale. And then after that, you know, it, it, it's great. I mean, we, we've got you know, a, a, a beta site. We've got 70,000 users, but they're spread throughout 150 countries. The top four countries take up sort of 40% of the, the user numbers there, you know, UK, USA, India. But that's probably not interesting to Heineken. So, you know, even though we can tell them probably where exactly, you know, 30% of our user base is on a Friday or Saturday night. So, um, you know, again, it's scale. Okay, thank you. Over to the bomb. Chinwag Live, search and location-based services on October 7th, 2008 was a Chinwag production sponsored by the UKTI. For more information, please visit www.chinwag.com. End of part two.